us in every Mother's Day. Uh, I always ask Janie to preach. And just for you that know, I do ask her to preach from the, just that one time. Most, mostly she'll, she'll turn me down. We've got to uh, pray against that spirit of rebellion in, uh, in, in her life. But no, she's, she's a wonderful, wonderful person. She's a fantastic mother. She's a fifth-generation uh, preacher. She's my precious wife. And I ask that you'd stand and give it up for my wife as she comes to preach today, Miss Janie. Yeah, thank you, thank you, thank you. Oh, yeah, yeah, you can sit down. Thank you. Happy Mother's Day, everybody. What a fun day. We get to be together. We get to, um, we get to talk about girl stuff, but at the same time, we're going to talk about guy stuff because I don't want you to walk out thinking, oh, that was just for girls. It's not. It's going to be for all of us. And um, I shared in first service, I hope that girl isn't watching as I say this online. Um, Pastor had announced me in the first service, and you know how sweet he is. He just tears up and says, oh, I just love her so much. And, and you know, he's just, he's just perfect, and I, I, can't, I can't help it. He's just incredible. And he's really like that all the time. So I said in the, down the first service at, at 9.30 downtown, I said, you know, there's a girl in our church. This was when we had our other church. I won't even name what the other church was. Then they won't know. They might think we had another church. And um, she was like jockeying in place. If anything happened to me, she wanted to be next in line to marry my husband. Like, you don't tell somebody that. That, that didn't fly. She quickly became not my friend. So, and she wasn't even cute or nothing. So I wouldn't worry. I wouldn't worry about that. I'm worried about that. She. I hope she's not watching. I, well, it's okay. I just am who I am, you know. But, um, but um, she did. And and what she just loved was was who he was and how he treated me and how that that was as beautiful what she loved about it about him, which is is wonderful for a husband to have for a wife. But you don't tell somebody that. Like, hey, if anything happens to you, would you tell your husband, like, I would be next in line? I would be okay with that? And I was like, absolutely not. And you're not ever allowed in my house. And so, um, yeah, I don't, you know what, you know those kids that share well? That was never me. Like, I never shared. I, I was so bad. It's mine. It's mine. Well, can I play with it? Well, I might play with it later. And you might break it. So, no. So, but, but, you know, I'll say, I'll, I'll get you, I'll get you something just as good, but not that one. So I was never a good sharer. I probably still am not at some th stuff like, you know, it's my microphone. Victoria was on it today. That was my microphone. We're going to talk about that a little bit later. That's going to happen. Yeah, that's coming. Okay. So, um, I do want to say I, I am so honored, um, to be blessed with an incredible, incredible husband. I say it every year, and I mean it. I love him with all my heart. We both say one and done, so I don't think either one of us have to worry about who's next, because after 40 years, it just ain't going to happen. <laughs> it, just, <laughs> it just wouldn't be good. So, um, so we've been blessed with 40 years, and you know, he always gets up and tells you how young we was when we got married. 
Well, I want to just clarify that. I did graduate from high school at 16. So that's why we got married so young, because I graduated at 16. So right away, you're all thinking, whew, you must be super smart. Let's just go with that. <laughs> yeah, let's, let's stay with that. That's probably it. Not that my father, you know, took me out of school because I was dating a Catholic. And yeah, we don't want to go there. Let's just go with super smart. I'll stay with that. Did you know what mom is turned upside down? M-O-M? Wow, is that so cool? Dad is not that. <laughs> Just mom. And you know, Adam, we know that story. Adam was naming all the animals and all the people. And he came to his beautiful gift from God that came out of his rib. Here came this, this beautiful girl. And you know what he named her? Wow, man. Oh, I'm the worst joke teller in the world. It's not that. It's whoa, man. See? I can't tell a joke. I, I can't tell a joke. This was my joke I was going to give because I was talking to uh, someone last week. And I said, you know, I'll just give a joke, a poem, and, and three points, and y'all will be so excited. And so I just said, I just can't find a joke. I said, the best joke I could find was... Um, the little boy goes up to his mom and he says, Mom, was I adopted? And the mom looks at the boy and says, Absolutely not. Why would I have ever chose you? <laughs> Where's Fultz when I need him? All right, so that was my joke. Okay, so today, before you leave, girls, um, you, you're going to get one of these pink shirts. And so teach, love, and inspire. That is the, the title of my sermon. I'm going to break each one of these down. So make sure when you leave, you get your, um, your t-shirt. And then um, there's pink drinks. That's a Starbucks pink drink recipe. So that's really good. And pink donuts. So it's kind of like pink day because it's Mother's Day. And I always want to think about Mother's Day. What if you don't have a child or you've never, you don't have a child yet? Or, um, you know what, you just maybe didn't want a child, and that's okay too, because some people just say, I'd, I'd just rather not, and so that's okay. But it's still, I like to say this is Woman of God Day, so it is not just moms, but it's, it's like girls' day, it's like girlfriend, party day, so <clears throat> that's why I like it so much. I love my children. I love the, what they do, and God's blessed me with them. But I think it's just fun to have a girl's day, and that's what today is. So the message today, it's not just going to be for girls because we're going to talk a little bit later about spiritual sons and daughters. So everyone in this room has the opportunity to be a happy Mother's Day, happy Father's Day. It's like that. So that's what we're going to talk about. <clears throat> I got a cute little poem. I'm going to read that poem, but I don't have it in my notes. This is just... I saw this a couple months ago, and I said, oh, I got to use that. It says, do you ever look at your child and just start smiling? Not because your child did something amazing, just smiling because that's who God blessed you with. You know, when I saw that, I just thought, that is so my children. I am, like, blessed beyond. I, I honestly, I do not did not deserve to have such incredible kids. I mean, I've never had issues or problems with any of them. They all love God. They all go to church. They all pay their tithes. They, I mean, they're just like amazing. 
And that doesn't just happen, but I want to say that maybe you have raised your child. You've raised your child in church, and you've been so faithful, and your child is away from the Lord. That's not because you didn't do what the Word says, because the Word we're going to read here in a second says that they won't go away. They'll stay in it because you've trained them in that. But if you didn't and you just became a Christian and your, your kids, you know, you didn't, they're grown and you didn't train them, it's not too late. You can still prophesy over them, pray over them, and declare them to come to know the Father. So it's not too late for any, any of us to do that. But the Bible in Proverbs 22 and 6, it says, train your, child, your children on the right path. And when they're old, they will not leave it. <clears throat> so right there is saying, you got to train them up. We got to raise them. We got to train them to know God and train them to come to church. Not, are we going to go to church? Our kids never, ever asked that. Never. They knew every Sunday, every Tuesday was prayer, every Wednesday was midweek, every Thursday was worship practice, and on Saturday we clean the church, and then we go to church and do it all over again on Sunday. So they didn't ask. This is just what we did. Church was our life. God was our life. So training them was easy for us because we just kind of, that made it our thing. And so <clears throat> our, my husband, everybody knows, most people know, if you don't, he's kind of OCD. I'm just, you know, he always gets up and tells stories on me. This is my turn. He gets up, <clears throat> yeah, right? Payback. <clears throat> yeah, <clears throat> I'm just going to stand up here and tell you stories, but look, I'm losing my voice. <clears throat> mm, okay, and so he likes his desk perfect, and like when I like get ready for a message or a study, I'll get out several books and paper. I might write something down. That was stupid. I roll it up and throw it in a pile, and so all over my desk is stuff, and I'll go up and him, and I'll say, are you not studying yet? Yeah, I'm in the middle of it. I said, well, where's your stuff? And he's like, I don't want, I got that book right here, and everything's perfect. And so he likes things in order. Now, if he comes to your house, don't feel like, oh, I can't come in because my house is messy or this. It, it doesn't bother him. It's not his house. It's just his house and his space. That's, that's how strange he is. So, yes, but I have to live with him. So... I'm not like that. I'm, I'm, I'm cool with a little mess every once in a while. It means I've been living, so I'm, I'm okay with that. But his living is everything has to be in order, everything's structured. Well, his biggest thing, I think, in his whole life is he's always been to our family, our children, is command your morning. You get up every morning and you just declare, this is the day the Lord has made. We're going to rejoice. We're going to be glad. We're going to make our beds. I don't think I ever made my bed until I met this guy. Honestly, I know that's sad. I, yeah, 16 years. No, it was 17 and three-fourths. So they said 16 years. I was 17 and three-fourths when I got married. Four months from 18. I'm going to teach you how to do what I say, not what I do, because maybe I've learned some things along the way that will help you. So, um, but yeah, that just wasn't my thing. And so... It was really his thing. So he had our children from tiny, tiny, you make your bed because that's how your day starts. You're going to start off happy and ready to go, and your day is just going to be so much better if you make your bed. So he would go to work before they would leave. So he was, he was off to work, and then they would get ready. 
they would make their beds. Their idea of making their bed was taking their blanket and kind of throwing it over the pillow. They would go off to school, do their thing. While they were gone, I'd have my prayer time, and I'd go in each room, pray over their room, and I'd put the, fix their bed right and put their pillow on it, go to the next child, you know, do that four times. And, and he would come home and, from work, and he would just think, yeah, I'm good at this. I've trained my children. They are such good bed makers. They come in their morning. I, yeah, I'm a good dad. I have trained them right. So one day, he came home early. I hadn't got there yet, if you know what I mean. And he happened to come in, and then he didn't really say anything. And then the kids come home. One of the kids, I don't remember specifically which one it was, but they probably would. Um, what's up with the bed? Uh, this, is, this is not how we make our beds. And their beds were all just kind of blankets were thrown. Are we lazy? What is our problem? What are we doing? You know, and he kind of began to give the drill sergeant, I'm going to train you. You're better than this. You command your morning. Is this your, was your day sloppy? Was it lazy? And they said, no, we made it. No, that's not acceptable. Why did you, why'd you make it like that? That's how we always make it. Mama just comes in and remakes it for us. So... <laughs> Yeah, mm -hmm. so that's what mamas do. They kind of go behind and fix. But in his mind, he would train them. So I asked in the first service, and I, I didn't know. I, I, I kind of was kind of nervous about asking, and they never lie to me. They will not lie, right? Never do children lie. I said, how many of my children, and there's three of them in this service as well, and one watching online, um, how many of you made your bed this morning? One, two, oh, Charity, Charity says me, <laughs> three, three, and if Jill is watching, hi, Jill, maybe somebody warned her and hurried up and washed it, made her bed, but that has become repetition in their life. That is just like something that you, you put in them, and take away making your bed. If that's not your thing, it doesn't matter. It only matters to him, but it does really help you, help your morning. It does. This is how strict he was. Um, you know, we live an hour from Charlotte, which is the airport. And so you need to be there an hour early when you fly. So we have a 4 o'clock flight. No, we have a 6 o'clock flight. So we have to leave the house at 4 a.m. 4 a.m. And our flight coming back is midnight. So we are going to crawl out, no makeup, put something on, and get in the car. Coming back, crawl in, go to bed because it's late. We get up, 4 a.m. Uh, um, are we going to make the bed? We're just going to get out and go to the airport and come right back and climb right back in. I said, why in the world would we make our bed? What if somebody breaks in? I don't want them to think we're messy. <laughs> true story, you guys. This is, this is, this is true stuff. So training Whatever your training is, you got to just put that in them that it becomes second nature. Just, just pour it in them. It doesn't have to be, just use my bed making as a sample. But put whatever your thing is, you're training them to love God. You're training them to be faithful. So we train our children. Everybody say that. Train our children. We train our children. Now we're going to move to Titus 2, 3, and 4. It says, teach the older women to live in the way that honors God. This must not be, they must not be slanders or heavy drinkers. Instead, they should teach, say teach. teach. 
Teach what is good. The older women must train. Train? All right. I think you can do better than that. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Here's a big one. Train the younger women to love. Love. Say love. Love their husbands. Love. So, uh -huh. see, I heard first service. That was some good preaching somebody told their wife um, and their children. So what, what I want you to walk away right here, I want you to hear this. This is the word of God. This is the Bible. This is not Janie. This is God's word in Proverbs and God's word in Titus. And he is telling us here, I, I learned in the first service, didn't even think about it when I, when I did this message, the older women, I am an older woman. Wow. I learned that. This, I didn't even think about it. You know, you still think you're young, and I'm like, oh. They got to listen to me because I'm an older woman now. So used to get up and do this at, at 20. Thought, yeah, she's just wet behind her ears. I already probably had three kids. Yeah, so I wasn't wet anymore. I was old then, but I feel older now. So older women, older women. That is telling you that maybe we've been in a place where you're going to be one day and you could use some advice. You could use some help. Older women... They might have something to offer that helps you and, and trains you or teaches you. But the key here in Proverbs is train your children. The key in Titus is love your husband. I did not read train your husband. Didn't read that. It did not say that. It said to love your husband. And if we could learn to do this, then we would be world changers because I think too many times we as women, we want to train our husband and love our children. Like, you know, uh, I won't ask for a raise of hands, but how many kind of think your kid is just perfect? I mean, I know I kind of do too, but I think my kids are like incredible. And then I sometimes think, well, my husband, he might need a little work. But that's not what it says. It says, I'm going to train my children, and I'm going to love my husband. I'm going to love him through his mistakes, through his mishaps, through maybe things that, that he does that I, I didn't like or I'm, I'm not a fan of. I would do it this way, but that's not what the Bible says. If we want to be Christians, if we want to go to heaven, if we want to please God, if we want our children blessed, Let's do what the word says. Train our children and love our husbands. It's not our job to teach them. That is your mother-in-law's job. Just saying. Mm -hmm. It's true. Isn't that what it says? Mothers train. So if you have a son here today, then you need to train your sons to love so when they raise up, you can teach them how to, how to be good husbands and how to be good fathers one day. I think that is so important that if you have a child, that child is going to exemplify you. And if, if you are loving and you are caring, then you're training, training them to grow up to be wonderful husbands. And if, if you married him and he is not what you thought he was, then, then may I just encourage you to, to pray 
that God help you love him more and love him and pray and get together and, and communicate, like do the five love languages and say, what is it that makes us argue? What is it? Are we not speaking one another's love language? Like, how can I communicate to you to not change, but to work together with what we're doing that isn't working or gifts, service, whatever your love language is, you need to speak those. So I think we do a really good job of loving our children. I think we need to do a better job of training them and loving our husbands and not vice versa. And I, I really feel like, like that was a word from, from God when I got that, that, that it became so clear. So, so let's say that together. Let's say, train your children, love your husbands. So that's, that's how we get things done, is if we will train them, and then we will love them. So right there, so we've done train, or we've done teach, and we've done love, and now we're going to inspire. So we're going to inspire. We're going to come out of 2 Timothy 1 and 5. And this is what it says. It says, I remember your genuine faith. For you share the faith that first filled your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice. And I know that that same faith continues strong in you. And this is Paul. He's writing a letter. And they say he wrote 13 letters, possibly 14 if you count Hebrews. The scholars are not sure who wrote that, but for sure he wrote 13. And they say, as they read this, this is the most personal, heartfelt letter that Paul wrote of all of his writings is this, this chapter we're in, this letter right here. He's writing to Timothy, who is, he calls, my spiritual son, and I just thought, wow, this is really good for a Father's Day. Like if I was preaching Father's Day, I would just, I would really go for this and, and teach us how to be men of God and fathers and spiritual fathers. But the Holy Spirit said, why can't you? It's not Father's Day. It is teach spiritual sons, spiritual daughters. Paul was never married and Paul never had children. But what a legacy he left behind. Amen. That is just powerful to me that I look at it and think, okay, what, what am I doing? What am I raising up? What are my children going to have in their legacy? And what's going to be left behind? But he is training, here again, Paul is training Timothy what he needs to do because he's about to be executed. He's about to give his life. He's about, it's about to be over. And this is his second time in prison for sharing the gospel and for loving. And did you know, nowhere in there does it say he was complaining about his circumstances. You never read about what, what the room looked like or what the food he was getting or the chains that he was wearing. He just said, I counted a joy. I counted a joy to offer myself up to God, to, to my Father, to Jesus, my Savior. And he wants to teach this faith that is so strong to Timothy that, that at the end of this, in, in 7, which is one of my favorite verses, it says, I have fought the good fight, I have finished my course, and I have kept the faith. I just thought, wow, that is so incredible to think. What's going to happen? Janie, it's your turn. And, and I shared even in first service that seven years ago, this Memorial Weekend, I was totally fine one day, and the next day, I was given a 5% chance to live. 
um, I had a kidney stone and a UTI kind of got infected and then I turned septus and they said, well, you're going to have about a 5% chance to live. Our children were all there praying in the room with me and you know our story with that. So I won't go into that, but my mind went to this. I have fought the good fight. I have finished my course and I have kept my faith. And I just wonder what would happen when, when I walk in, I'm in heaven What's the father going to say, Janie, well done, my good and faithful servant? Or is he going to say, well, you didn't train your kids very well. You didn't love your husband. You tried to train your husband. That wasn't in there. You were complaining. You, you just didn't, you kind of served me. No, I want to just bust those gates and say, here I am. It's time to party. I'm ready because I have done everything you said. I have trained my children that all four of our children, they are incredible. Their spouses are incredible. That doesn't just happen again. That is because God is faithful and his word is faithful. If we train them and right now yours might be away, yours is coming back. You just got to declare it. You just got to prophesy. Like that song says, you just start singing that over your family. Sing it over your children that they are blessed. I'm going to, everywhere they go, God, you're going to cause blessings on them. You're going to cause favor. You're going to open up their heart. They're going to come to a deep faith. And I love that where, where Paul says to her, she, to, to Timothy, he uses the word genuine faith. And, and I looked that word up. I thought, what's another word for genuine? Well, <clears throat> you could read it as this, and I, I liked it. I remember your strong faith. I remember your honest faith. I remember your sincere faith. I remember your authentic faith. It wasn't fake when we came to church. Oh, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. No, I'm, I'm at the I better not go there, um, at a party. <laughs> and my faith is just the same as it is if I'm at a, at a little party place and I'm partying with some girlfriends. I got the same faith around that table as I do right here on church Sunday morning singing, and your children and your children and their children and their children. We have to have that genuine, authentic faith that no matter where we go, no matter what we do, when something happens in your life, like Eunice like Paul says that about Eunice and about Lois. And I look at my, my great-great-grandmother, a little Indian lady who barely could speak English. She was Cherokee Indian and um, born and raised on a reservation and um, was moved off. And her um, mother died on that trail of tears. But coming back, she found Jesus in Topeka, Kansas in a little like a box car. They had a little revival in there. And she became so in love and so genuine and so honest and so sincere that she had six children. All six of those children became pastors because she found Jesus, because she found that intimacy with Christ that now she wanted to, to see miracles happen. And she would spend four hours a day just praying, just seeking God for four hours every day. And I look at that, and then I look into my grandfather and grandmother who were just pastors, incredible, and it, at 70 or so years old, he was a pastor all those years, loving God, and now he thought, I'm not done, I'm not finished, but I feel like I'm finished pastoring, so I'm going to give everything I had, and he was, he was blessed and very wealthy. Um, he had some other businesses, and he gave everything he had and moved to Africa. 
twice and got malaria, comes back, goes back. So gave everything he has. And then my father, y'all know that story, and he's going to be here next week. I'm excited about that. Um, he gave up his business, and he became a pastor. And we lived in the church basement, took baths in, like, these wash, watermelon wash tubs because he was so sold out. And then I comes to, to my generation, and I say, wow, what am I doing? What am I doing for God? Am I making a difference? Am I being effective? Am I being authentic? And I have to look and think, okay, when one of my children or my grandchildren, when are they sick, if something's wrong, do they automatically run to the doctor or do they say, Mama, I need you to pray right now? Um, I have so many testimonies I could share about miracles. I'm just going to share Jonah's because Jonah is, wave at me, Jonah. There's my little Jonah, not little. Jonah is taller than me and 10. So, but he's just got the most sincere, sweet spirit. He's just, he's a gentle giant, I call him. He's just precious. And he was just a tiny baby, and he kept having ear infection, ear infection, ear infection. Jessica went to the doctor and came right over and said, Mama, they said he's going to be deaf, and I need to learn sign language, and it'll be hearing aids. It'll be the whole thing. And, and, and I thought, well, wait a minute. I'm just not receiving that word. And, and I think I've, I've always done that when something comes that I don't, that the word is, it contradicts. What the Word of God says, it says we can lay hands on the sick and they shall be healed. I, I'm going to go there. And if God chooses a different plan, I'm still going to love him and serve him. And I'm going to be faithful in this one. But I'm going to stand on this one until his decision is, is made for some reason. So Jonah um, could not hear. And, and it, was, it was tough. And so we laid hands on him. And he has perfect hearing. He is incredible, but I, yeah, I mean, that's amazing. He is amazing. But it was, it was, it was my faith, but I feel like it went back to my grand, great-grandmother's faith. That's where I think my faith came from, that I heard of the miracles that she would lay on people that were dead, and they came back to life. It's like documented, and people would run to her house and say, Lola, here's my baby. It's sick. It's got the fever. She would pray until that fever was gone and see miracles. So I look at that and think, well, that was the faith. But am I instilling that faith into my children? And are you instilling that faith into your children? And that's, that's what we're called to do. And so I love that. And I, I've, I've seen that in generations and generations. And um, but like I said, I got so many that I could share, but I'm just going to share that one. But no matter what, if God would have had a different plan and he would have learned sign language, God might have had a ministry for him for that reason. I, wasn't, I would not waver in my faith. My faith would not have changed that I believed that, that Jesus is able to heal if he chose a different path. I stand firm in my faith. And, and that's the thing this morning that we want to... We want to make sure that we're standing strong in our faith. And what are we doing with that faith? Are we just, hmm, if it works, it works. You know what? God is able to do anything according to his word. We just have to let that faith rise up. And I believe that's what Paul was doing here when he went back to his, to Timothy's grandmother's faith. That faith that has been instilled in you 
It is, it is in you. So, so when we had a speaker at that same, I think it was like that same day or that same time, I had laid hands on Jonah that Sunday morning. We had a line, I think it was, and um, Jonah came through, and we were going to have this speaker pray. And the speaker had came to me and said, and I'd never met him. I had never met this, this, this speaker. And he says, put your hands out. And, and he didn't even know who I was. And I said, okay, it was right there. And so I put my hands out, and he slaps my hands, and he said, the same spirit that is, was in your grandmother, God said, I'm putting in you, and your hands are going to heal. And I was like, he don't know my grandma. She was like incredible. Like that was a huge responsibility. That was the same day. Then Jonah's coming through the line, and we're praying for people who have sickness, and the the preacher who said that had no idea. Here's Jessica. Had no idea. This is my daughter. I knew what Jonah needed. He stepped back, and he said, you pray for that one. And I was like, no, I really need your faith because this is my baby. That's what we're paying you for, I thought. That's what I really thought. I thought, that's why you're here. And so he said, no, I, I, you need to pray for this one. I went, Okay, so I laid my hands on Jonah. Jonah has never, ever had any hearing problems. Jonah is well. No hearing aids, no sign. So the faith went back from my great-grandmother, and I know that's where God instilled in me that. And so I, I love that. Okay, I'm going to tell you about the sons and daughters, and that's what we're all called to be. Um, Marcus and Charity have a, a large, small group. And Charity had came to me and said, you know, I would love for Selah and her age group to have like Sunday school while we're having our, our Bible study with the adults. It's just an hour. If, if there's anybody that would maybe want to pour in and teach them, not babysit. We have babysitters for the little ones, but like, you know, the four to eight-year-olds could, would, you know, anybody that could just step in and say, I'll come for one hour every other week, and I'll do a, I'll do a, a teaching, a Sunday school. I'll, in other words, is what she's asking, could somebody come be their spiritual mom for an hour and just teach them? Hold that thought. I asked God couple nights ago, Lord, if you have a word that you need me to share with somebody, that my mind would be open and receptive, and I would share that word. Or if you can give me a word picture of confirmation with my sermon, where I'm going, like something that just would flow with it, if you would, if you would do that, I would really appreciate that. So I just went to sleep. I had this crazy dream, and at first I thought, well, that was just bad pizza. But I woke up, I woke up just in tears. I'm wiping my eyes and the first day, and I thought, well, okay, that's kind of, that was amazing, but I don't know, it was probably just me. If it was really you, could you just do that again? Had the same dream. So finally then I told my husband to see if I was crazy, and he agreed that it was just a word from God. So many of you know Dale and Monica, they come to the first service, but um, they're the ones that get us all these T-shirts, and they're just such a blessing to the church. But they pastored the Sunny Valley campus. That's down in, um, how do I say that? Down 
downtown, a, a neighborhood that maybe not, um, not everybody wants to go. Just put it that way. I'm not sure how you say that. So um, it's a harder neighborhood. They, they have shootings there. And Darryl, um, Dale has shared with us, shootings have taken place right while they're trying to have church and different things go on. And in this dream, I, I, Monica comes walking in the doors. And it was at the downtown campus where I saw her come in. And she walks in with this teeny tiny preemie. This baby in my dream was like the tiniest little doll and had like a spit rag. And the spit rag was bigger than the baby. It was just like thing, you know, you throw on and you burp. Just a nasty little diaper. No clothes. Just the towel. Just the spit cloth. And the teeniest tiny baby. And like she comes and the baby's crying. And she walks in. And I'm like, oh, what you got there, Monica? <laughs> and she said, oh, this baby. And I said, well, it, it's crying. Do you need some help? Huh? I don't care. Um, here, you want to hold him? You want to hold her? Just like that. And she just kind of passed him off. And I instantly went, no, no, I don't want to hold that thing. I don't where's the bow and where's the ribbon and where's the fancy shoes? That's, I want a fancy baby. And she's trying to give me this baby. And I'm like, ah, no, no, I don't want that baby. I'm, that baby, that's your baby. That's your baby. I don't want to take your baby. But I took it. And I'm trying to quiet down and I said, Monica, I can't get this baby to quit crying. And she said, ah, don't worry about it. Dale's coming. Dale will take care of it. Dale's got it. I'm like, well, you're not worried about his baby crying? She said, no, Dale can take care of it. So a few minutes later, Dale walks in the door. And Dale has like a two-liter bottle of like soda with a nipple on it. <laughs> the baby is this big. And he walks in with this big old two-liter bottle. And Monica said, there he is. Here, Dale, take your baby. So we give him the baby, and he starts feeding it with this big old thing. And here's the baby. And I said, Dale, why in the world you got such a big bottle for that thing? Well, this ain't the only one. He said, there's a ton more coming. I just got to, you, you don't worry about it. I got it. I got this. And the Holy Spirit was so clear in my heart. He was their spiritual father. She was the spiritual mother. She was making such a difference. She wasn't worried about what they looked like. She didn't care what they smelled like. She didn't care if she had enough. She had that one big bottle, and she, they were just going to spread it around, and they were going to take care of more coming. And I woke up and thought, wow, but God, why, why was I so ugly about that baby? Because it wasn't cute. And, the Holy Spirit just kind of shared with me, everybody has a, a mission and a ministry. That's just theirs. doesn't mean I don't love them. It doesn't mean I want to see blessings take place. That's just their calling. That's their ministry. And, and mine might be this over here or yours might be over here. But the whole idea is we, don't, we just got to... To raise up leaders, we got to raise up children. We got to you know, say, I don't have children. I've never had children. It doesn't matter. You can have spiritual sons and daughters, and that doesn't necessarily mean young in age. It could mean maybe they're not as mature spiritually. They might be older than you, and you say, well, how can I be their spiritual mom if they're older? They might not be at your level of knowing the Word of God, and you're to pour into them and bring them and nurture them. And that's what spiritual parenting looks like. So I go back to we're in desperate need of somebody that would say, can I just teach Sunday school? Because 
We have a little class that just needs somebody to tell them some Bible stories and sing some um, B-I-B-L-E, you know, that's the book for me. Um, go back a little bit and just give them some basics for one hour. And I look at Tim, uh, Timothy, who's just on every word that Paul is saying, I'll do whatever it takes. Here I am. I'm here. I'm going to help. Or are we just fat little Christians who sit on our seat? We come in Sunday, take it in, we go out the door, come back next Sunday, we take it in, and we go out the door week after week, and we don't stop and say, what can I do? What did Paul do? He is dying, not complaining, but he's stepping up and saying, Timothy, this is the most important letter I'm ever going to write. I'm getting ready to be offered up to God, and I need you to be the one that passes it on. Somebody has to pass this torch. Somebody's got to pass this baton and say, okay, it's my turn. I'm going to step up. I'm going to let great-grandma be in the grave or be in heaven. I'm going to see her again, and now it's my turn to step up and say, okay, here I am. If if you need your hands laid on because you need a healing, here I am. Let my hands be the hands of the Father. Let my voice be that which preaches. So that's what we got to look at. Say, so what are we going to do with it? So as I close this morning, there's a scripture in Matthew 9 that says that we can't take old wine and stick it in a new, an old wine skin because the, the skins have, they've went, they've kind of, made the form of what the old wine looked like. So if you try to put new in, they're just going to burst because that's not how they're made. But what if we was to say, well, we don't do it that way anymore. We don't have Sunday school in this church. You know, we used to do it at 9 and then at 10 o'clock. So I would do it if you did it at 9. That would be putting old wine, new wine in old wineskins. God's wanting to do a new thing in every one of us. And a vessel, if you look up what a vessel is, is in the Bible, a vessel of honor is something that is filled up and then it's poured out. Then you fill it up and then you pour it out. It's over and over. It never gets full and stays. A vessel of honor is something, whenever you hear that, is always something that's being emptied. It's always being poured out. And that is what I want to be. I just want to be a vessel of honor. And three years ago, when we decided to open the downtown campus, just, we're going to get into this later. Pastor and I are going to do some co-preaching um, very soon over some certain subjects. And um, this is something we'll talk more about, the prophetic word that came to us. And um, this word was, Drew... This really happened. This wasn't a dream. We were in the downtown campus looking at how ugly our building was. It really, what are we going to do with this? We don't even know why we got this. What did we do? We were questioning it. Lord, why do we do this? And we just knew that God told us we were supposed to open that building. We knew that with everything in us. And so we were trying to decide, what are we going to, maybe are we going to have Marcus preach? Are we going to hire another preacher? What are we going to do? Who's going to pastor this? We didn't even have a clue. And Drew is somewhere. This is Drew. He's our son. If that's your first time, that's his wife, not his sister. Everybody thinks that. <laughs> Drew comes up, and we were just talking. He said, Papa, my generation really isn't looking for the pastoral preach to me. 
preach it at me and go home and do your thing. Our generation is looking at more for somebody that is more like a parent, like a, a parent who's going to pour into us and teach us. And so he began to talk about that, and we'll, we'll talk more about that stuff later. So we thought, well, okay, well, we're going to keep praying about it. So we was somewhere, and someone called and said, um, Pastor, I just got a word for you. I don't even know what it means, but the word parenting over pastoring just keeps coming up. I don't know what that means. Thank you, he said. So he goes to lunch with someone, and they said, I see it more as you guys are parenting. So we're like, okay. So then we go to this conference, and the guy says, would you please stand up? And so we're sitting there in the midst of hundreds of pastors. We stand up, and he said, I don't know if this means anything to you, but God says he's calling you more in a, a parenting role to parent versus pastoring. Now, it's not that we're stepping down from pastoring. We're, we're getting like Paul right here. We're coming in a different season of our life. And now we're trying to raise up some sons and daughters. The next generation that will step up and say, okay, here's the baton. What are you going to do with it? I have fought a good fight. I have won the race. And I have kept my faith. And I think that's what it all comes down to that we have to teach. Mother Teresa had a quote that I loved. It says, never worry about the numbers, but help one person at a time and always start with the person next to you. Start with the person nearest you. I think sometimes we have to leave the country. I love missions trips, but there's right here, right here in Hickory, right here in Sunny Valley, right here in Grace Church, right here in a small group saying, can you get me a Sunday school teacher? So it's time really is what I hear is like a passing of baton. Well, when Drew had that dream, I was having the same feeling in my heart that God was telling me to step away from leading worship. And I thought, yeah, I think that's, I think it's, I've been doing this 45 years. That's a long time. I need to pass the baton. So I shared that with Drew. And he said, yeah, maybe someday. And I said, well, I, I think it's you, I think. And we tease him and tell him, he may be downtown. Who knows? We don't know what God has. Our job is just to pass it and teach and train and love and inspire. And so I begin to feel it again and again and again. And it doesn't mean I'm not going to sing, but it means I'm going to just kind of put the mic over here like this morning. Were they incredible? Just amazing. Yeah, amazing. And Mark and I had, had shared, you know, it's like I'm just ready for Drew to, Drew to take it. And we had thought, you know, he, he doesn't really like to talk to you guys. I'm just going to be honest. During singing, like personally, I'm sure he'd wait in line to talk to every one of you. Just <laughs> when he's up here, he's just like, you know, if the Holy Spirit tells him, he would do it. But I thought, like Emily did one day, when I said, the Holy Spirit's just got something for Emily to say. It wasn't for me. And she was immediately had a word. And I feel like... God is kind of saying, Janie, maybe just step over a little bit. Just maybe move over. Because if, if they all, honest, always think, Mama's going to have the word. Mama's going to be the one to speak. Mama's going to hear from God. They'll never do it until I move out and say, okay, listen to the Holy Spirit. Now it's time for your sincere faith, your genuine faith. Amen? So, so that's what I see. And that's what I'm seeing in the spirit. I'm, 
maybe there's just an maybe I, I said maybe I just need to be the best coffee shop worker in the world maybe I have time to pour you coffee I don't know I don't know what God has but I'm just saying here's my baton I'm ready to pass it I'm ready to be a vessel of honor and do whatever whatever God wants me to do amen all right I think I hit everything on my notes so that's inspire if you missed that one you that was inspiring you so all right we're gonna thank you so we're gonna sing this song thank you switching switching yeah there we go i'm switching hats okay we're, i'm gonna sing this song and i want you to sing this song it's new wine i want to get up on our feet i always like to apply whatever i've heard so whatever I pastor preaches, then I want to I want to step back and say, what did he say that I can take out those doors and not just be that little fat Christian? I oh, was a good word. That's all good. No, I want to take that word now and I want to do something with it. Because every word you hear, you're accountable for. Every word you say, you're accountable for. And so we're gonna sing new wine. And I want you to sing it as a prayer, not just as a song, not as words on the screen. They're beautiful words, but make it your heart. Make it a prayer as we sing new wine.
Give it up for Janie. Didn't she do a wonderful job? Great job, honey. Amazing. So teach, right? Train your children. Love. Love your husband and all people for that matter. And inspire. And I like the whole inspiration, not only about the legacy and the heritage, but if you are a wineskin, and we all are wineskins, and maybe it's not that our day's over, but maybe our, through maturity and through leadership, we can introduce new wineskins that the Holy Spirit can pour into them. And while, listen, this is how cool God is, while he's pouring into a younger generation, he then refills us up because we can go on and fill and fill and fill and fill. What a great word. Good job, honey. Amazing. We're learning to teach, we're learning to love, we're learning to inspire. And you have the authority, you have the right, especially with your own family, not only to teach, love, and inspire, but to declare blessing over them. So all, to all you moms, spiritual moms, uh, mothers, uh, one day going to be mothers, to you fathers and husbands, to children, let's pray together and we declare that God's blessings and best is not only on you, but is yet to come. Father, we thank you for today. We thank you for that wonderful, amazing word. We thank you, Lord, that we can declare blessing over the people in our lives, and we can hand off the baton to people, Lord, in our homes, in our church, in our community. Father, we declare that every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father of lights from above. Father, bless, Lord, every person here today within the sound of our voice, those watching online, those in-house. Father, we declare right now those of Father, raising up spiritual children and grandchildren and great-grandchildren, Father. Anoint them, Lord, to Lord, let their wineskins be filled, Father, Lord, with new wine. Bless them, Father, Lord. Let everybody have a great week. In Jesus' name we pray. The church said amen. God bless you. We love you. Happy Mother's Day. Oh, and there's t-shirt. Thank you for joining us for today's service. If God is impacting your life through this ministry, join us in reaching others by investing today. You can give at www.gracechurch.tv give or by downloading the app and select give. We can't wait to see you next week.